0: Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it.
1: Here from uh, South Africa. I mean, they're not, they haven't just lived. Um, and if you remember, if you're part of Beacon, that I was in South Africa in February and whilst I was there, I visited their church in Bethlehem, um, not in Israel, in South Africa. Um, and uh, I spoke there. And then when Daisy was in South Africa in May, she spent a weekend with them. And uh, then when they were coming over this this kind of Christmas period to see all their family and stuff, we kind of talked about, well, why don't you come and spend a little bit of time uh, with us in London? And it's been, it's been brilliant. It's been absolutely brilliant having them. Um, they came on Wednesday and we've done all sorts of different things. Um, so what we're going to do now is we're going to do a little bit of an interview with them um, where we're going to talk about just some of the things that they've been getting up to, some of the things that God's been speaking to them about. Um, and then I'm going to do a very short uh, introduction to our, our kind of our the new series that we're literally walking into now, uh, which is on worship, and that's going to run for the next six or seven weeks. I'm just going to talk very a little bit about that as an introduction, and then we're going to go into a time of worship, which Jeremy and Laura are going to lead us in. And uh, we're believing that God has things to impart to us through them. So that's kind of where we're going. So why don't we welcome Jeremy and Laura? Um, I don't know. Just just as a side, I don't know when the kids go out after the interview. Oh, sorry about that. After the interview. So uh, this is Jeremy. Th- this is uh, wh- what's your name? Abby. Yeah, so this is Abby. Um, she actually reminds me of Rihanna. My Rihanna. If you know Rihanna, you think, oh, okay, that's. Uh, um, now, what I need to get you both are some microphones. Um, We've got big mail. Yeah, no, no. I want to record wh- what you say. Oh.
2: Thank you so much.
1: So, just, just, just in case. Okay, there we are. Is that on? Is yours on? Hello. Okay, so uh, Jeremy, is yours on? Uh, I don't know. Yes, yeah. it is. Okay, cool, cool. Um, so, uh, right now. Yeah. We're, not,
2: we're not quite Westlife enough yet. No, we're not quite
1: where I want you to be. There yeah. we are. <laughs> um, okay. Okay, so. There is, um, you know, the Christian world is, is very small. We all know that. I mean, obviously, God saves people, but it is quite small. And it turns out that with Jeremy, um, I, and uh, it's not so much my age, but I knew quite well his grandparents. Mm-hmm. So Although he's in South Africa, and I met him in this, in the, almost in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> I met a guy who I, whose grandparents I knew, and whose parents Pauline knew completely separately. So that's how big the Christian world is. Um,
0: I knew Pauline when, she was, when I was visiting, and she just looks exactly the same today. <laughs> okay, okay. So some people are like, oh, really? <laughs>
1: um Okay, so you guys are involved in uh, leading a church in, in Bethlehem in South Africa. Um, uh, we don't need to go into all the detail, but let me just ask how did you get there? How did you get to be in South Africa? You know, you're from completely different places in the UK. You kind of ended up there. Um, how did you get there?
2: Okay, um, so I'm from Newcastle, originally, um, and Jeremy's from Kent. Um, Jeremy had gone to Clarence, hello, where um, Steve Oliver had planted a church. And there was a school, so Jeremy went to teach in the school for two years, Um, and I went for six months um, on a gap year, Um, and then I moved into Jeremy's house, never, didn't know him, with another girl, Um, and then, obviously, things got interesting.
1: Yeah. 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 There was a moment three months in, if I remember rightly. So, So for me, that was
2: three months in. For Jeremy, it was a bit sooner. (laughs) (laughs) And then Jeremy moved out of his house so that we could start dating. And I thought, hmm, that's pretty impressive. I get to stay in his house. That was a good sign. Um, And then six months came and went, um, and I kept staying. And Jeremy said he would do his two years, and then we could go. So I said, fine, I would stay for the two years. And then the two years came and went, and we kept staying. Um, And then Jeremy became an elder at the church in Clarence, and we started doing stuff with the youth and the kids and then the orphans and vulnerable kids, and then don't know when. Before Phoebe was born, we went on a trip to Namibia, and we did lots of driving. And while we were driving, we thought, "Do you know? Do you know what I feel like would be a good idea? Would be to plant the church in Bethlehem." And God sort of breathed on the idea, and it really wasn't a good idea, <laughs> um, but it thankfully was a good idea. And um, so we moved to Bethlehem, which is just up the road from Claring's. Um, it's where you do your shopping if you live in Clarence, but it's the bigger city. It's Afrikaans, turns out, and we are not. Um, so it's a very different culture to Clarence. Um, but we started um, meeting initially under a tree, um, and then we had a tent for a while, um, and now we have a building. So we have a church in the location, the township. So we work with the Basuti people. Um,
1: We're going to come on to all of those things. Okay, sorry. Um,
2: I'm jumping. Yeah.
1: So, uh, so your, just, just, just to pause on this, your six months became, how long have you been there now? <coughs> 15 years. So 15 years. So you went out there for six months. Yeah. You've stayed there for 15 years and you kept deferring your university place how, how many times? Because you had a place at university, didn't you? So.
2: All right. Yes, <laughs> I did. Um, so I already had applied and had a deferred place and then I deferred it again and they said, OK. And then I deferred it again, and they said, OK. And then when I knew I still wasn't going to go, I thought, now I'm pushing my luck. So I went back to one of the other universities and said, you know, I had that place, like, four years ago. Could I have it again? And they said, yes. And then I didn't go, so I deferred that one. <laughs> and then I realised, yeah, this, this is not how yeah. this is going to go. So it's
1: interesting how... Um how God had you on one path and you in your mind had you on another path. That's yes. quite, quite interesting to see that. Um, before we move into Bethlehem, just just tell me about um, or tell us about what you were doing at Dick Le Bang, the, the church in Clarence, because you were very involved in that. Just tell us what you were doing, how that was going.
0: Um, so when we got to Clarence, um, where Steve Oller, at, he planted there in 1996, um, I arrived there in 2004 um, and it was um, still a divided congregation, so they had a Vesutu service and an English speaking service um, and they have not quite worked out how to join the two together because it's quite uh, controversial in South Africa um, and as we arrived they, they were beginning to realise that God was pushing them to become one um, and so in the May of 2005, we had our first meeting together, which was supposed to be sort of a once-a-month we'll come together. Um, but actually, Godfrey really breathed on it. And from that point on, we were a combined service, which was wonderful. Because as British people, we went there and like, why have we got two services here? This is really odd. Um, but not really understanding the background and the culture and things. Um, and so we, uh, when we arrived there, there was not much going on the ground. Um, it had been sort of limping along for a while. Um, and um, Steve asked us if we would um, do something with the young people. So I think there was about seven young people, which were all the eldest kids. Um, and so we, we, we got some guy down from Johannesburg and we just started a meeting, and 90 kids turned up from the from the township. And it never stopped from that point on. It was like God just went, <laughs> there we go. And we just had this incredible these incredible years of young people um coming in and encountering jesus um we had this we had a leadership team so we were bringing through leaders after leaders after leaders it was like we had this amazing gift you'll hear me uh, we'll talk about that probably a bit later on but it was uh, we felt like we've got this amazing gift um and and we just we had like real fruit from that and then a couple of years uh I, a couple of years into that, we felt that um, we needed to do something with the children because there'd been nothing going on with kids. So we began like a kids' club type thing on a Sunday morning. And the first week we had 90 kids. And the next week we had 200. And we ended up with up to 400 children um, just coming in from the township. And it was just amazing. Right. I, like, yeah. And again, we had to lead all of these different teams and uh and, and then and then laura really felt like jesus was speaking to her about the, the the most vulnerable kids and so we we started to ask the holy spirit to identify kids amongst the, that 400 um, and so we would pull them out and we just felt like we needed to put them into a family and so we created this family called um uh wings Mapio, from psalm 91 um and uh we, 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 it was like their their place, and they were invited to. It. it was this special place for them to come. And we just saw week after week these um, depressed, um, uh, sunken children. Just one of one every week, one would just go, would just come alive. It was just yeah. this most amazing, beautiful thing. Um, and so we saw just these, these this this yeah, great. So, so you had
1: real success in Clarence, really, in terms of ministry and. And Laura, you had done Kids Club even before that in Newcastle and actually done uh, done well there. So then obviously you go to Namibia, you, you hear God speak to you. Um, as you, you describe it now, it was a God idea, not a good one. Um, and you moved uh, to Bethlehem. And uh, uh, as you describe it, you, it, it's an Afrikaans place, but it's also that whole area is the... Is, is the heart of the Boer War. That's where the Boer War happened. That's where it's really the heartland of Afrikaans. It's not just that there are Afrikaans there. And um, you've talked to me before about you, once people knew what you were doing, they, they would disassociate themselves from you because working in the township was not the kind of thing that they would see or be, want to be involved in. Okay, so, so that's your kind of background. You end up in this place called Bethlehem. Just, just tell us a little bit about... you know uh, i know we know the tent but what that was like for you and you're just beginning your family and stuff
2: i i think i think we thought we knew what we were doing like we've done it here it's been great it was it was probably you know probably because we're pretty awesome people it's because we're you know just exceptionally gifted so if we just take ourselves there then it'll be fine we'll just do the same thing and it'll be awesome Um, In fact, it'll be better than where we came from. (laughs) Um, But then in reality, that didn't happen. Um, So we moved into, we had lived in Clarence for six years, and you do your shopping in Bethlehem, so you drive in and out. It's 36 kilometres, and you, it's a bit annoying. You know, that's an annoying drive, and if on the way home you go, I forgot the broccoli, that's it just don't have broccoli for a week you just you know that's that so Bethlehem's sort of a place that people go into and come out of as quick as they can but you feel like you know it but what we discovered once we moved there was we really didn't know it and we really didn't understand it and we didn't understand the the level of division and the level of how somewhere so close that you think you know can be quite so different um so yeah we discovered that one with a bit of a bang um, really, And then we started gathering. We knew, we felt like God told us where we needed to meet. We needed to be at the uh, point where the township ends and town begins. We felt that was really um, what we wanted to represent and where we needed to be. Um, so we did. So we stood on the corner where the trucks drove past for I don't know how long, six months. Six months. Um, and it was great. At that stage, you think, I can do six months of really hard because soon it's going to just, you know, the ground's going to break open and then it'll be amazing. Um, but actually six months, it was still really hard. And then we got a tent, we bought a tent. Yeah, and then
0: we had this amazing uh, heavenly vision of this tent uh, and angels coming down. And it was really, I mean, it was really profound. Um, and we knew that this is what we needed to do. And the money came in and we bought this tent um, and we just felt that like we needed to move, move this tent around. The town and, and 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 sort of bless the the ground that we were we were on, which I think we we did, but we didn 't produce any fruit, what people would look at as fruit, um, and so we did that for three months um, and Jesus Uh, We were in in an area at the far end of our township. So the township's about seven kilometres long. We were right at the end there, and and Jesus said, no, stay here. And we ended up staying there for about two years in that tent, um, which is pretty hard work because we couldn't leave the tent there. So we we had to go and collect a trailer to come and get the tent, to take the tent, to put the tent up, to have the meeting, and then do it all in reverse.
2: So the tent lived at our house, but we had to first drive down to get the trailer to come back to get the tent take it down okay so let's
1: just pause here because um because we have to set up every week yeah yeah and so I just want us to think about setting up a tent every week that is kept um I don't know maybe it lives in my house and Garth has to collect it because he's got the biggest vehicle every week he comes to mine collects the tent takes it to Streatham Common he puts it up at Streatham Common we put everything else up in the tent that we would normally put up here and then we do that in reverse every week and it was mainly you two doing that? I'm not saying there weren't others, but... We
2: had, we had a couple with us who did it with us every week, but it, it took its toll.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, okay. <laughs> okay, so often it's in these kind of situations, um, God begins to work and God begins to speak. So, so if we move on to uh, the fact that I, I know through this challenge, God began to do something quite deep in you both. So, do you just want to talk about that,
0: really? Yeah. um, So, during this time, um, we had some fairly major relational issues with our sending church. Um, So, we were sent out with great excitement, and then almost from day one, it suddenly wasn't very exciting. Um, It's like everyone backtracked and went, oh, maybe this isn't such a good idea, and then um uh and then we f- were sort of abandoned or it felt like that um, and relationships became quite strained between us and other leaders in our area um and then it, we felt like people were gossiping about us and we went into this pretty dark uh lonely isolated place where um, it felt like we were all on our own, and we were sort of fighting this cause, and everybody else was trying to, 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 to stop us. Um, but we weren't really getting any fruit that anyone would count as fruit. Um, so we weren't growing. Uh, we weren't seeing anything like what we used to see in Clarence. Um, we, uh, we were, you know, people were coming, and people were seemingly getting saved and then they disappear and you know it was just we weren't really um we weren't really getting anywhere and i was feeling that pressure because you you are people assess you on on whether or not you can prove that you've done something worthwhile um and i was feeling increasingly um uh my self-worth was, was quite low and I, I, I was comparing myself to others and, and, and really we were sort of doing everything we could to try and make this thing work and it was, in the world's eyes, it was failing. Uh, and people were telling us it was failing. Um, we're quite stubborn, which meant we were sort of... Other people might have run off. We were going, no, it's not failing, it's going to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. OK,
1: so... Um, And I know that went on uh, for a while. And within that, you uh, you had your three girls. And um, yesterday, Laura, you just told me just a lovely story about how God began to reach you through the family. Do you just want to say something about that? Your Mozambique trip? Sure.
2: So we we carried on in that place of we are going to make this work. We're not giving up. Um, a, A little bit of resentment set in between us. Um, Because
0: Laura wanted to leave every day.
2: Yes, I did. (laughs) Jeremy would not give in because he didn't feel that Jesus had told him we could go, and I began to think, well, that really doesn't matter anymore. (laughs) Let's just go. So that was challenging, Um, and we had the two girls. So Phoebe would have been four, and Abby was two, Um, and so we were trying to find a way. Eventually, I my pressure was working <laughs> so jeremy was beginning to agree okay let's find a way to sidestep we're not just going to drop and run let's try and move out um and so we looked and we couldn't find anything nothing seemed to work and so eventually we ended up in mozambique with heidi and roland in pemba so we went and did their harvest heidi and roland who because i oh, sorry heidi and they. roland baker i forgot that part yeah and yeah. um, so we they run a three-month mission school and um, it's predominantly Americans who go um, and it's mostly young like 18 to 21 year olds um, but there are some families um, and on our school there were a couple of families who had already been doing mission and then gone home again um, but I don't, there weren't many who were in it um, so we were, had been in it and sort of came out that was our sabbatical um, and there was no running water um, there was no glass in our windows um, we lived in a space smaller than this stage area and um, abby and phoebe had to share a mosquito net um, so they had to be right up against each other and um, it would be fair to say it was pretty tough Um, So for the first five days, I was like a primary school teacher taking my kids on an outing. You know, everywhere we went, isn't this amazing? Look at this. And by day five, which was actually the first day of school, I was on my bed crying, trying to work out if we could get a refund and leave. (laughs) So it it was really, really hard. So we went for our sort of rejuvenation rest, um, and actually (laughs) we fell pretty hard on our faces in the dirt. Um, And then day by day, God just showed us how much of the issue was actually us and in our hearts and how other people who it felt like had been really mean to us actually (laughs) we were the problem, not them. Um, But we'd gone for this moment of meeting God. You know, we wanted the glorious moment of his presence coming and everything being better. Um, But we took our two small children. And so we had hours and hours of worship every day and it was beautiful um, but I had two small children who needed my attention, who were being bitten by the ants or who were hungry or who needed to go to the pit latrine or whatever it was. And I was really battling with this. But, and so I, I was pretty grumpy. I, I can be. So I sat on the floor and I said to God, this is just ridiculous. Like, this is so blooming hot. And I've come here to meet with you, but I can't. Like, I can't even focus because there's just all of this. Will you help me, please? And so I was grumpy. So I sat on the floor and there was a lady speaking and she was talking about knowing God more and um, she'd shared some stories and one of her stories was about her, um, her husband bringing her flowers and she'd been a bit annoyed with him because she, didn't, you know, she was trying to focus on Jesus and he was just getting in the way. And um, God had told her, actually, that was me. Like, I can't bring you flowers as a physical man, but... Th- Who do you think gave him that idea, like, that was from me? Notice me in the small things. So she was telling this story, and I was like, yes, that's what I want. I want less distractions and more of these moments. And then I think it must have been Phoebe had been sitting, playing with some flowers, and she made, like, a little crown, a flower crown. And she came and she put it on my head, and she kissed me, and she said, I love you, mummy." And I, in that moment, I realized that the kindness of God was that he had come to me in something that was almost identical to the story the lady had shared to show me that actually he was, trying to, he was trying to meet me through them, that what I thought was my distraction and my mundane struggle was actually my opportunity to see him. Does that make sense? Um, so that, that was pretty good for me. Um, and then to know that the way I, the way I respond is often that 's my worship you know it 's beautiful, I love to sing, I love to song worship, but actually, the way I am with my day to day world is how I'm is how i 'm worshipping that 's how i 'm pouring my love out it 's not the destruction it 's not the annoyance, but actually that 's my setting to show him my love in
1: it 's fantastic it 's a lovely story um, and final uh, question um, and, and Jeremy, maybe you can speak into this is just one of the things that I know you guys have uh found is 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 something in worship and I know you have because when I was there and I was there as your guest speaker, we worshipped for two hours or more, and I spoke for ten minutes at the end and it it was it was great and um, but there was clearly something about that, and I know when Daisy was there, you worshipped and uh, and that 's what you do it's kind of a big thing um, so Can you just say a little bit about that? Because, you know, one of the things that you're going to do here is hopefully just bring something that helps us in that. So do you you mind saying something about that?
0: Um, So in our time in Mozambique, uh, Jesus was undoing us. He was um, combing through our hearts and just digging out all of the filth, um, which we didn't think was there. Um, But as he was doing it, He was showing me just how much of my attention was on me, and that actually I was a lot of the time I was worshiping myself, um, because it was all to do with what I wanted and what I could do. And Jesus kept reminding me. He just brought He brought us to our knees, so that we would. He humbled us, Um, and it's important to to realize that's, that's quite painful. <laughs> and so it's best to humble ourselves before he humbles us. But anyway, he, he humbled us and, and he showed us that all of this was for him. All of this was through him. All of this was because of him. And we can't do anything without him. Uh, and we'd been trying and trying and trying to, to do all of this. With, <laughs> we thought it was with him. But when we actually, when Jesus brought us face to face with him, we realized actually it wasn't with him. Uh, we were trying to do something for him, but actually um, he wants us to do it in him. Um, and that he, he, he came to me and, and very clearly said, look, my burden is light. You cast your burdens onto me. And he said, you have been lifting, you have been carrying many, many burdens that are not yours. So your family is not your burden. Your children is not your burden. Your money is not your burden. This church is not your burden. That's all mine. Uh, and, you know, it says, Jesus says, my, take my burden, my yoke, my is light. And he said, the only thing I've asked you to do is worship. It's the only burden you've got is to worship. And that was, that was just this freedom because I thought, well, I can do that. that. That's easy. I can do that. I love to worship. Um, and so Jesus took us through this three months in Mozambique where we worshipped hour after hour after hour, day after day after day. And we didn't know, we didn't know a lot of the words. We, we didn't recognize the songs. But that meant that we came to this place of just being able to worship him in every situation um, in the midst of what was really suffering for us. Uh, it, was, it was hard. It didn't get any better throughout the time. Um, but we found Jesus, and we were able to worship Him in in in, in horrible in horrible setting. Uh, you know, we, we, we want we often we want everything to be nice and right, and we want the right songs, and we want we didn't get any of that. And we found that Jesus was saying, "You can worship Me here. You can worship Me in this." And so um, He changed our attention. He took our attention off trying to build a church. Uh, uh, because he's the one that builds the church. That's what he says, isn't it? I will build my church. He doesn't say Jeremy's going to build it. Um, And uh, he said, and so we we came back to to the same situation we were in, and we just just put our face on the floor and began to worship. Um, We spend a lot of time on our knees, um, because I need to remember, because I forget that it's not about me. And so I have to keep getting on my knees. I wore through two pairs of jeans <laughs> being on my knees because I have to stay in that place of saying, it's not me, it's you. It's not me, it's you. Because I quickly think it's me. I'm quite a capable person. I can do many things. Um, and I have to keep reminding myself that it's not me. Um, and so God, uh, Jesus has, has taught us as a church how to, how to worship him in spirit and in truth. And he's taught us how to to look to seek his face and to enjoy his presence. Um, And it's in those times where he's done what I can't do. It's in those times that he's been changing people's lives and building the church and things that I I just couldn't. I tried to do all of those things and I never managed. But he he is doing it. Um, Just as an example, we had we we were experts at youth youth meetings. That's what we did in Clarence. You know, it was very successful. We've tried, I think, six times in, in Bethlehem to try and cr- sort of create some kind of youth group. It's, it's just failed every single time. No one turns up or we get one person and then they disappear. and It just doesn't work. It hasn't worked. And then when we began to worship, um, young people just started to walk in through the door. No, no, I we no idea how they heard and where they came from. They just began to wa- wander in, and we ended up with we ended up with a majority of young people in our church. Um, and it was I, I can honestly say none of us did anything. It was Jesus, and that's and that's the journey that we've been on. Is is can I every day surrender? Uh, if you will lay down your life, you will you will gain it. And that's where we've tried to live. We've tried to live like dead people. Uh, and dead people don't complain about song choices. And dead people don't hold on to things. And dead people don't sin. And so we've tried to live like we're dead. Um, and that's that's where, and that's our, how he's taught us to, to, to be so that we can live in his presence.
1: That's so, uh, a Challenging words, but thank thank you. Okay, I think we're gonna uh, call uh, this um, interview, we're gonna close it there. Guys, why don't we give them a round of applause. Um, If you guys just take a seat for a moment. And I think, is this the moment for the kids to be going out? Cool. Um, So then I just wanna mention a couple of things um, as they're going out. This is gonna be long. in relation to what we're we're now doing in terms of worship. So a couple of months ago, I was um, with a group of pastors on a two-day retreat. And on the last session of the second day that we were there, uh, Terry Virgo, who was leading the retreat, he just talked about worship. And he talked about, in essence, what he was saying was uh, that the church, and, and he attends church is probably in hundreds of different contexts every year he's in different contexts um, in the church he said the church is in danger of giving up the very thing it had been striving for the presence of God in favor of something else and and he gave examples of maybe being uh, really seeker friendly and so you turn your meeting to be more seeker friendly than more seeking of the presence or something like that or he talked about um Moving towards a place where you're really looking for an experience rather than uh, a, like an encounter with God, where God actually begins to change you and pastor you. You're you're looking for something that tangible, some kind of experience. And he just talked about this for a while, and he talked about the promises of God uh, through the Bible in terms of His presence with His people. And um, I was I was really gripped by it. He didn't talk for long. But it, it really gripped me. And he talks about how you can pastor the church through worship, that, that people can encounter God through worship. People's faith can be uh, strengthened through worship, that they're, they're kind of, they can be healed in worship. And, you know, and I don't just mean necessarily physical healing, but they can experience God in the worship. And I was really, um, I suppose, struck by it and, and then... I came away and I I talked to the elders about us, you know, just doing a series on worship and just almost like putting that in at the beginning of the year. We're praying regularly. Let's do something on worship, and um, that's kind of what we're going into. And next week is where we officially start. But but then when I spoke to Jeremy Law, it became apparent that they had something to offer us in relation to that. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be focused around worship. And uh, I've got a couple of guys coming. Uh, to help us with that. In two weeks' time, we got Simon Braden come in, uh, coming up from Brighton. He's going to just speak into that because when Terry was speaking, he kept mentioning Simon as someone who really uh, has a gift to help people um, in their worship and be pastored through worship. And then I've got a friend of mine, Jake Isaac, who's going to come uh, in February um, again just to help us with encountering God through worship. And I don't know where all of that's going to go. I don't have like a particular plan. Um, what I do have is a, is a deep prayerful desire that God shifts us when it comes to our understanding of worship, our expectation of worship, and our encountering him in worship. That's what I'm hoping happens. I'm not saying we're going this way or that way. I don't have any particular thoughts, but I am prayerfully and praying that he will uh, speak to us through it. And so that's where we're going over the next a few weeks, but, but now we're going to uh, just hand over, and Jeremy and Laura and, and our band are going to just lead us uh, for a time uh, in, in worship. We you know, we'd go 12, 12, 15, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Um, I, I can't promise you that all the songs will be on the screen, uh, but I think we'll pick the words up quite quickly. Okay, so why don't we stand together, and I'm going to pray as they just like, get themselves ready can we stand can we stand and focus focus forward um, uh, let me just encourage you just just lift your lift your hands uh, just for a moment just to help ourselves focus and uh you know a very powerful story that they have to tell and um i wonder what bits of it have spoken to you uh, i wonder what in it has touched your heart holy spirit i ask that you would um, speak to each one of us um, that some aspect of truth uh, some aspect of comfort some aspect of challenge would touch each of our hearts i pray from what we have heard Uh, i pray for those seeds not to be lost in this moment but god what you have what you have brought to us that you will bring it to to fruition in our lives i pray And Father, in these moments, as we come to you, uh, I pray, uh, Father, that we would come with such an expectation that you, that as we draw near to you, you do want to draw near to us. That there is this sense of when the people of God come together, what's unique about them is the presence it's not it's not anything else it's not the uh, how good we are it's not how diverse we are it's the presence that's the only thing that separates us from those who who don't gather in your name it's the fact that we gather in your name and the presence of god is with us and so i ask father um, that you will pour out your holy spirit in these moments that we will encounter you we will be drawn closer to you we will hear from you you'll speak to us as we bring our worship to you. I ask these things in your name. Amen.
0: Just, um, I just want to, to, to encourage you just to put yourself in a position of uh, expecting. Okay, so just, just lift up your hands and close your eyes. We, uh, we, we're told in James there, as Owen just said, that as we draw near to him, he comes to us. Um, let's, so let's not wait for him to come. Let's push towards him. Okay, so engage your brain this morning, because Jesus is right here. I don't know if you noticed that as, uh, as Phil began this morning, his presence was here. Did anyone notice that? Yeah? He was here, and he's here right now. And I want you to start having the faith to believe that he is here. We're told, believe and do not doubt. Okay, we're seeking his face, and we're told those who seek his face will find him. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Just lift up your hands. You may not know all of the songs that we sing. It doesn't matter. Just enjoy him and fix your eyes upon him. Okay. Jesus, we thank you that you are here with us right now. Mm. We thank you that you are wanting to do something in us.